This is an ohs.com.au production. Welcome to episode 30 of the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Steve McLeod from Fire Safety Australia and NSCA. Good morning, Steve. G'day, Brendan. Good to be with you this morning. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. So um, you are definitely on my bucket list of people to get on the show once I had a few under the belt. Um, I'm really interested to hear your story because I've been quietly watching you from afar and... Um, how how long how long have you been running FS sorry Fire Safety Australia for? Yeah, so um, just over twelve years, about twelve and a half years. So I started the business back in two thousand and seven. Um, after I, the short story is that you no, know, I left school. Um, I wanted to either be a paramedic or join the fire brigade, and so I actually joined the aviation rescue and firefighting service, and was at Sydney Airport. So I did that. I actually joined them just on my 19th birthday and was up there in Sydney at Sydney Airport for a couple of years and that was a great experience and I was certainly quite young at the time and, you know, enjoyed my experience, learned a lot about firefighting and medical response and then met my now wife Kelly and we decided to move to Melbourne. So I was away from Melbourne but moved to Sydney for the role and then joined the Metropolitan Fire Brigade in Melbourne. So I joined the Metropolitan Fire Brigade in Melbourne, was there for about... Uh, six years and you know during that time when my days off I used to go and work uh, for various training organizations and you know conduct first aid training and height safety training and those types of things and I you know I was always very passionate about training and about helping people and from there sort of saw that there was an opportunity to be able to start off the business and um, it wasn't something I'd always intended to do to be honest it was just something at the time I thought that there was a, a lack of providers that were providing, you know, really tailored specific training, yeah. you know, a lot of other providers. Yeah, go on, sorry. As you know, you, you, it was very powerful training, training. So, yeah, I sort of took the leap and decided to start a business. And so, and so some of those providers that you used to work for, are they still around? Yeah, look, a couple of them are still around. Um, yep. I remember at the time going to them and actually saying, oh, look, these are the things that I think we need to do to deliver the best quality training. And, you know, they probably viewed me as quite young back then and maybe not the right person to give them advice on how to run their business. <laughs> so I uh, gave it a go and then I decided, you know what, I'll just go and do my own thing. And, yeah, I started it with the view to go and do, you know, a few days of um, health and safety and emergency response training a week and, you know, over the next year or two, really found that I thought there was a big opportunity to grow a national business. Um, most training organisations really were just focused on one geographical area. Like they might have been focused on, you know, Melbourne or Sydney or Britain. They didn't really have sort of a national footprint. Yeah, so in our first, you know, 12 months, picked up Virgin as a national client. You know, they wanted some tailored confined space training. And, you know, entering into aircraft fuel tanks is, you know, quite a hazardous type of uh, confined space entry. So, you know, we worked with them, developed a tailored program, and then they wanted us to run it in other locations. Yep. And to me, then, it just expanded the opportunity of, well, maybe rather than just trying to do training in Melbourne, I really should be trying to look more nationally. So from that moment forward, I really started trying to build out the business to be able to service national um, 
companies, national yep. large businesses, which had locations across the country. And really over the last 12 years, that's been our goal to build out a national network of locations, you know, the right emergency response and safety trainers and personnel and really leverage that out nationally so we can provide, you know, one solution to national customers. So just giving me a bit of a timeline here, that was what, 2007, 2008, around that time or? Yeah, around 2007 the business was started, I think it was July uh, that year. And then really over the next three years, it was, you know, the business sort of went from, you know, just me to in three years' time, I think we had 12 or 13 staff. Yeah. Um, and we just put on a couple of people in Sydney and in Brisbane at that point. So, um, yeah, look, the, the, the business, I would say, grew quickly at that time, but that was also a time when there was a lot going in, going on within the mining industry. And there was, even though we weren't doing a lot of mining work, there were a lot of other mining services companies and companies that needed a lot of emergency response and safety training. So, we started to grow up nationally. I then started to put on an account management sales team and sort of grow the business forward. And do you have like a business background? Because I mean, for someone so young, because um, you how old you would have been what twenty four or something when you started yeah, the business? Yeah, at that point, I, I was about twenty four when we started the business. Yep. And no, so the short answer is no. I mean, I studied um, business management. I studied a lot of those areas during my um, HSC and. You know, it's kind of coincidental, but I was actually the uh, equal top student in the state for business management during year 12. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, with, a, with a perfect score, which was not sort of what I expected because I never expected to go into business, to be honest. I had great visions of being able to um, do, do do other things around, you know, sort of say, uh, around uh, either medical or around joining the fire services. So, yeah. look, it's, it's not quite business was not what I originally envisioned. And to be honest, it was more about seeking the opportunity and seeing that there was a real need for, you know, tailored national emergency response and safety training, which is really the impetus that caused the business to be able to grow. And so how hard was it for, you know, being 24 to, you know, because to open an RTO is no mean feat. Um, did you, how did you sort of back yourself? Yeah, so look, when um, it's a good question. Um, I mean, at that point, I'd been in the fire services for six years, so I actually had a really solid amount of emergency response experience from you know helping save people's lives and um, going to different rescues and those types of things. So look, I was very confident in my ability to do the do great training and yep. to deliver great services to our customers. So that I was very confident in. But there were times, you know, I would go and present at a manufacturing site or a mining site and, you know, I would be the youngest person in the room for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, 40s, 50s and beyond sort of tried to, you know, make sure that I knew myself. And I think if you asked anyone during those courses that I used to present, they would always say that, you know, I was confident I knew myself but I also knew how to train. And so I think for me, you know, I started off as the trainer and the salesperson and the administrator and then, you know, over the years, I've really concentrated more on building a team to be able to take the business to the next level. But look, everything in the first couple of years in business is really hard because mm. I didn't really know a lot. I made lots of mistakes and still make lots of mistakes, but um, make probably smaller mistakes than, than some of the things that I, I used to do. So, you know, you learn on building a team, you learn how to run the finance of a business, obviously making sure you're delivering great training, making sure the compliance is correct all the time. And also trying to grow the business, so there's there's a lot of different skill sets to learn very quickly. So it's very it sounds like it's very much about you know learning. I guess you you've 
done all these tasks, mastered them and then delegated them to other people that have got uh, a lot of talent as well to be able to run it for you? Look, absolutely. And I think over the years, you know, I've recognized the importance of making sure that, you know, you go and hire people better than you in each area. And so there might have been a time many, many years ago where I might have been the best trainer in a certain area of skill. But over time, you go and get people who have got, you know, more experience and more qualifications and people that can sort of deliver the same passion and excitement that, that I would have had, but are also able to go and, you know, take the business forward and, and, and um, building the right team of people is, is how we've been able to grow today, which is much bigger than back then. And so fast forward through to today, how many staff does so the business you, have? If, yeah, so between full-time and part-time and casual staff, it's around 135, I think, 140. Yep. Um, of that permanent is over 100, but there is we, we have a very large number of part-time and casual staff as well. So yep. we don't just have contract or casual staff. We certainly have the majority as permanent full-time, but the nature of the training business and the nature of the emergency response and medical business, which I can talk about as well, is that we need also the ability to be able to scale numbers up and down at different times of the year. So about in about probably 2010, 2011, you know, one of the key strategic shifts for us was actually going and looking at another area of our business, which is, you know, 50% of the business today, which is providing emergency response and medical personnel. So oh, I used to okay. go out to these know. mine sites. Um, yeah, so we used to go to these mine sites and train emergency response teams. And sometimes I'd be training full-time teams. Yet the skill level just for someone like me from the fire brigade just wasn't at the right experience. So what happened is that, you know, I saw that there was an opportunity to be able to provide, you know, Fire and Safety Australia, medical personnel, emergency response personnel. And then, yeah, back then in 2010, we had, we had our first contract to provide some relief and full-time staff. And that's an area of the business today that would employ probably 60 people and be half the business. Yeah. Um, and in that we provide outsourced emergency response like fire and rescue personnel. Yeah. And even more in the last two years, providing nurses and paramedical personnel. So, you know, clients are typically large oil and gas sites, mine sites, and that's been a really good area for us to grow into. So does that mean that, like, say, I'm just going to pick an area of Australia, let's say the Bowen Basin up in Queensland, does that mean that you've got staff all around the country that when the shit hits a fan, you can just send people straight away or do they have to fly Look, in or? Yeah, good question. Generally, we work on a, a, a actual rosters on the sites. Oh, okay. So a, typic, a typical site for us, so like our biggest site might have four staff 24-7 for three yep. or four years. Yep. And that would be, you know, a fire and rescue team, you know, vehicles, sometimes paramedics, and they would be sort of on shift at the location 24 hours a day. Yep. Or sometimes just day shift. And so they would be there to respond to critical incidents, whether it's a medical incident, like someone who's broken an arm or who's fainted or has a heart attack, or whether it's something like a high angle rescue or a confined space rescue or a fire. So in those ones there, we are on site filling a capability gap for the client. Yep. And you know, our, our, um, some work with their staff or sometimes that will be contracted to us completely. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think you've done something that a lot of training businesses in health and safety haven't been able to do, which is to create that recurring revenue source. Look, it is, but it's a, it's a very different business. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the business of this is very HR intensive yeah. because you're putting people in fly-in, fly-out 
locations around the country. Yep. And, you know, making sure you can um, recruit, retain, motivate and have these flying fly out start performing, you know, is, is a critical challenge for a business like ours because, you know, FIFO work has higher turnover than uh, training work. And yeah. it's the nature of it that not everyone wants to do that. Um, the work is long hours in remote locations. But, look, it's a different type of uh, business model. The benefit that we've got is that hardly anyone does the mixture of both. And so yeah. for us, we try and do the mixture of, for example, providing a paramedic staff or, or nursing staff or emergency response staff and then also be able to do some of the training at these remote sites because a lot of them find it difficult to be able to release staff to be able to go and do training. So, look, it's a growing area of the business. Um, it's something that, you know, three years ago I stepped away as the CEO of the business um, and have a CEO who runs the business, name is Tony, and it's something that he has a lot of experience and background in in actually trying to grow that out further. Yeah, and I guess it makes a lot of sense also because you've got, um, I guess, personnel on the ground that can identify where there's gaps in training for like the general <laughs> – the general yeah, organisations as a whole. Yeah, and sometimes part of our contract will actually go and, you know, we're, we're sort of an extension of the safety team, so we'll actually go out and identify it and complete it. Um, and sometimes that's part of our contract, sometimes that's outside. But, you know, really our role there is to make sure that there is the right emergency response preparedness, the right exercises, drills, uh, plans. So we have a very big... Um, auditing and inspection component of that role. The second part is obviously response, yep. which is responding to any emergency that happens uh, on site. And then the third part of that is going, well, you know, how do we keep planning for the future? You know, how do we make sure that our staff have the right level of training and competencies? How do we make sure we have that thirst for improvement and keep getting better at what we're doing as well? And I guess with like the sort of, I'm not sure how mining's going at the moment, whether it's still sort of in that downturn, but that would be, I would imagine great for, for you know for these companies to use someone like you because um, it's a, an essential service and it also I guess it's probably quite an effective and economic way of um, having that in there that capability in, inside. Well, it just gives organisations to the ability to work on their core. So yep. you know if your organisation your core business is uh, LNG or um, iron ore mining and this gives you an opportunity to sort of contract out, you know, some of the risk regarding emergency response or medical services to a company that does that. I mean, that's our core business, yeah. making sure that we can have the right people with the right qualifications, the right equipment in these locations 24-7, 365 to be able to respond to it. So it's a different, um, you know, rather than them going employing their own staff or rather than them having volunteer staff. So there's nothing wrong with them having volunteer staff, but in certain locations, it's difficult. It's difficult to keep volunteer emergency response teams, you know, motivated, keep all their training up to date. This is just another opportunity for them. And even some of the locations we're in, we might only have one or two staff, like one person back to back with another, um, but they'll actually go and train the volunteer ERT. They'll run the volunteer ERT sort of in a mentoring and coaching capacity. And then eventually they might be able to take it over themselves. Awesome. Um, so I wanted to turn now to the National Safety Council and how that – because you, you've now merged with uh, Fire Safety Australia. Is that correct or have I got well, that So right? what happened is, is that um, – so the National Safety Council of Australia and – so there's two components to the NSCA. One is the non-for-profit foundation and the other part was the for-profit um, training arm. And so about – 
I think it was six or seven years ago, uh, might even be slightly longer, um, the National Safety Council of Australia Foundation um, split and the for-profit training area of the NSCA was bought by Blackwoods. And, and, and when I say Blackwoods, at that time it was Protector All Safe, yep. and then it became Blackwoods Training. And so just over two years ago, uh, we acquired the business and assets from West Farmers Industrial and Safety, which included the Blackwoods Training business, um, and as part of that, the National Safety Council of Australia, um, like that for-profit training arm. Yep. And so that was done about two years ago, and, and, and that actually came about because of a contact one of my senior executives had uh, within West Farmers Industrial and Safety, within Blackwoods. And, you know, it, was, it actually worked out really well. So we acquired that business. We put it into the Fire and Safety Australia business. You know, we co-brand. So we have the National Safety Council of Australia brand, which does our health and safety representative training, you know, diploma and certificate for and workplace health and safety and safety for leaders courses. And the Fire and Safety Australia brand, which is the main company, but it's, it does all the emergency response and other courses that we operate. So, you know, as part of that, we brought over more than 30 staff, I think it was 38 or 40 staff, um, were able to, you know, bring those extra courses into our clients and into our business. And, you know, we, we had some great team members that joined us that are still with us today. Um, any integration like that is challenging. You know, not everyone likes the new environment and mm-hmm. there was a lot of change very quickly. But overall, I would say it's quite successful in terms of our course offering now and geographical presence being much larger than it used to be. And, I mean, I always looked at NSCA as like almost like an, a national icon for training. So it's it's amazing really that you've you've put the whole thing together. and um, Yeah, and we still partner very closely. So the National Safety Council of Australia Foundation, which is the non-for-profit membership arm, yep. I mean, we help them a great deal. We work with them. We provide, um, you know, content for their magazine and for the different things that they do. We... Um, we, we help them out with some offices and some other thing, administration requirements to help them function. So they're a really important um, partner, you know, partner, I guess. A partner, yeah, yeah. partner of, uh, uh, and really with all their members, someone that's out there to make sure that they are, um, you know, preaching the message of safety to their various members. So it's been a really good um, opportunity for us, but it's also been something that I think will help the business for the long term. And then so sort of going back to your initial, I guess, um, reason for starting the safety company, you've, you've achieved what you've set out to do, which is to create this national uh, training company. I don't, I, don't th- I can't think of any others that have really achieved that. Oh, look, I think there are, there, are others, there are others that might not have quite the geographical spread, yep. but, who, but, but who are similar. I think our course range and geographical spread um, is probably not matched by anyone, being mm. the fact that, you know, every capital city, with the exception of Hobart, where we have full-time staff member, but we don't have a premises, every other capital city, we have a location, you know, half a dozen or more staff, um, and also combining the ERS, the Emergency Response and Medical Services. But look, saying that, I mean, there's still a long way to grow. I mean, I sort of feel that the opportunity in the next five or ten years is the safety industry is still quite fragmented. Yep. There are a lot of those medium-sized businesses, and I would put us in that medium-sized category as well, but there's a lot of others in the small to medium size, and I don't think that there is one dominant player. I mean, I don't think that we're um, the biggest. I think there are areas where we have a great offering in terms of our presence and our capability and our experience, but 
there's still there's still a lot of different businesses out there. And to be honest, there's a lot of really good businesses out there as well that really take the time to deliver, you know, that hands-on practical tailored training, not just the generic type of stuff. So I think there is an opportunity for more consolidation within the industry, whether that's more um, acquisitions or the right merger or partnership in the future. But I do think that long term that that will continue to uh, evolve and change in the Australian market. I guess that's also the challenge that, um, you know, for a lot of big companies, they lose that agility. And with safety training, like what you've described, it's, you've got to be, it's got to be hands-on and contextualised to what the clients need. So it's, I think it's, it's, getting that, it's getting that balance right, you know, like if you're too big and you lose that, well, then that kind of is not serving what customers are looking for. I agree. Like so um, it's a balance of going, you know, how do we make sure that we're large enough that we can um, continue to grow, offer more great opportunities for employment and partner with the right, you know, national and large businesses. But at the same point, how do we make sure that we deliver, you know, that bespoke hands-on tailored training at which people really, really need. So generally for us, whilst that might sound like a lot of people, you know, each sort of state location in terms of training probably has about 10 people. Yeah. And, you know, that's a good number where you can run, you know, a good team with, you know, some of the national, you know, compliance and customer service and finance done out of Melbourne. But really each state has its own sort of group of people and its own team to be able to deliver the right, you know, sort of custom or the right training programs with the right national support for large national customers. So, um, look, it, it, it's a challenge making sure that you're able to always, you know, to be able to grow but also to be able to deliver. But I think where we've worked well there is having, you know, the small state-based teams yeah. as part of sort of a, a larger national structure. I think that's what's worked well for us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so are you still involved in the sort of day-to-day business or are you more moved to that sort of, I don't know, chairman role or more strategic on guiding the yeah, business so, to the next? So look, I'm, um, I, look, I'm absolutely involved with the business, but my, my involvement in the business is probably in that two to three days per month. Yep. You know, I recognized a couple of years ago that for us to continue to grow, we needed, um, you know, more skills. And so I, I put in a CEO three years ago. His name is Tony Metcalf, and he's a terrific CEO of the business. And he runs all of the day-to-day uh, operations in the business with a, a focus on the emergency response and medical side, but also a um, focus on our emergency response and safety training. And my role is really making sure that, working with him and the rest of the leadership team that we've got the right strategy, that we're executing on that strategy and, you know, helping also, although less and less now from a technical advisory point around some of the more specific emergency response contracts that we would have or some of the larger corporate clients with emergency response and safety training. So I'm not day-to-day every day, but, I mean, there wouldn't be many days where I wouldn't have an email or phone call yeah. about it and somehow but my actual sort of in the office is yeah it's probably a day probably three or four days a month or something like that and when needed i mean we did a project a little while ago where i was in there for a couple of weeks whereas you know that might be quiet for a month where i won't do as much over say january yeah awesome okay well i've just got five short questions to ask you before we wrap up steve uh first one how old are you uh 35 35 and what do you like to do to keep fit you know what, my favourite thing is golf, although some people say that golf is like uh, is not really fitness. But I actually, lo- I actually love playing golf. I love getting outside in the fresh air and going for a walk for 10Ks or so. So I'll say that, although I, I um, am trying to get back into running for fitness. Okay. Um, how many hours sleep are you getting each night? Oh, 
I probably go to bed at 11.30 and get up at 6.30. It depends on when the kids wake me up, to be honest. But um, I'd say seven hours, eight hours, I reckon. Probably seven on average. Excellent. And do you have any personal goals you're looking to achieve in the next 12 months? Yeah, look, absolutely. I've always been big into terms of personal goal setting. There's normally something for me around family and making sure that I'm spending good quality time with my wife and kids. There's always something around fitness. There's always something around uh, business as well at the same time. So, yeah, for me, it's coming to that time of year now, which is sort of starting to reflect on goals this year and what to do next year. Okay. And then finally, um, if you could be remembered for one thing for business, what would that be? So you're like, um, what, what, what's yeah. your legacy, do you think, around business? Look, I, you know, I always had a vision with Fire and Safety Australia where I wanted to be able to have the business to not necessarily be the largest business, but to be a business that could deliver national emergency response services and emergency response and safety training to Australia's largest companies. So I wanted to be able to walk into the room at, you know, the biggest mining or oil and gas or manufacturing or retail customers in Australia and actually be able to look them in the eye and say, we can provide you um, a national footprint of training and give you the right quality and consistency Australia-wide. So that's probably the legacy. Whilst we do a lot of that now, I think that's something that I still want to continue to expand on. And I always had the goal of being able to to sort of get to that, you know, the definition of a large business in Australia is over 200 employees. And so I always had this view that we could get over that level, that we would be making a serious impact which would, you know, really give the whole passion for safety, which is our core value, really bring that across the country. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you very much for sharing today, Steve. And if people, our listeners, want to um, find out a little bit more about Fire Safety Australia or NSCA, um, where's the best place to visit? Sure. So they can go to fireandsafetyaustralia.com.au or if you Google Fire and Safety Australia, will come up. And, um, yeah, happy to get in touch if there's anyone that I can help out personally. Happy if someone to reach out to me on LinkedIn or our email. Otherwise, you know, obviously we have a, a large team of people in there to make sure that we're looking after clients. So, uh, yeah, it's been good to join you this morning and to um, I'll have to think a bit more about my answer for the legacy question next time. <laughs> no, but I, I think that, I think I that was, that was great. Good. <laughs> okay, Steve, thanks very much. No worries.